Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Apex Mountain solo episode. You just have me, no one to keep me on the rails. <laughs> uh, Tanner and I had a had a regular routine planned. We were going to do an episode uh, at the end of the day on Sunday, and we were going to get this bad boy out on Monday morning like normal. Uh, something came up, so I'm recording it solo because I'd rather, you know, just me ramble on by myself and get something out there than miss a week for the first time since we started the podcast. So you've got just me, but then he will be back next week and everything should go back to normal. Um, this week, I'm going to finish up Woody Harrelson by talking about the 1996 comedy Kingpin. It's the first time that I've seen it and I'm excited to talk about it. But before we get into it, let me play this trailer real quick. From the idiots that brung you dumb and dumber. You wouldn't happen to have a Phillips head screwdriver, would you? He's the man with the rubber hand. Oh, creepy. He's the Amish kid with the golden arm. Whoa! <laughs> you could be a champion. I'm just not interested. You suck! Now, these two pinheads will teach each other. Can you just feel it. About life in the fast lane. You're about to embark on a great adventure. Does anyone else want one? No, I'll take a couple jugs. Mugs. Woody Harrelson, what have you been doing all these years? Drinking. Randy Quaid. This is pretty good fun for only $2.99 a minute. Vanessa Angel. Get your hands off me. And Big Bad Bill Murray. On July 26th. Watch the door. Get your mind in the gutter. I will pay you one million dollars to sleep with your friend here. Kingpin. Are you still drinking? No, 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 no. I, I don't. That's that's behind me now. I just. Why are you buying? So, like I said, first time I've watched this movie, um, I had a lot of thoughts, and I was trying to decide whether or not to come into this one optimistic and happy with it, or kind of pessimistic and and shit on it a little bit to be frank you know i think i'd be more pessimistic if i had a co-host i could bounce some of my negativity off of but um i really do think the movie's good uh you know i think i lean towards the meta score for it which is a pretty desperate 4.3 instead of the uh, actual imdb fan user review which is a 6.9 nice i just i don't think the movie does any one thing that's truly innovative um, but it's greater than the sum of its parts. I think there's certain aspects of everything in the movie where you're like, oh, yeah, this reminds me of Dumb and Dumber. Oh, yeah, this reminds me of Happy Gilmore or later on Dodgeball or something like that. It really doesn't do anything awesome, but it is a very fun movie with a lot of different mechanics that I think just make it interesting. You know, this is this is a good movie, but it's not a great movie, and not everything needs to be awesome, you know? So... Uh, I think I'm landing more optimistic, but it is a pretty silly movie in a lot of ways, which I'll get into. But I mean, as far as what this movie means to the greater movie landscape, uh, I was a bit disappointed doing research after after watching it because I knew nothing. I walked in knowing nothing. And I was like, oh, yes, a lot of this is Dumb and Dumber. I mean, I don't like the traveling in this movie as much as I like the cross-country traveling of Dumb and Dumber. I think they did a better job in that movie. But, hey, if this one came out first, then uh, that's great. Then that means that, you know, this this one crawled so that one could walk kind of thing. But that's actually not the case. Same directors, as that trailer said. That movie came out two years before. So kind of puts a damper on my parade because, in a lot of ways, that pretty much means that, 
they made they had a lot of success and made money on that one so they basically just made dumb and dumber part two with a different cast so you know that kind of sucks another thing besides the you know somebody having a fake hand which is the obvious one but there was a lot of mechanics of this movie that reminded me of happy gilmore again i thought happy gilmore came out after this movie so i was excited to give this movie some credit but again this movie came out after three months after to be specific so well, I mean, I'm always going to see Happy Gilmore in a movie that I like anytime that I can because Happy Gilmore is one of my favorite comedies, if not my favorite comedy, as you guys might remember from our pretty insane score of over a nine. So go check that episode out if you love that movie as much as we did. And then the last one that I think I noticed was Dodgeball. Dodgeball, now that's one that they can get credit for, I believe, because the tournament style at the end you basically know they're both going to play each other in the championship, but it's still fun and fast-paced, and you see some funny stuff, and um, it just kind of amps you up for the inevitable duel. So uh, I think Dodgeball did take a note from this movie, and this movie deserves credit for that. So I would think if for the greater the greater movie landscape, I think this movie did did do some things that Dodgeball learned from. Everything from the tournament to the announcers. Uh, there's two announcers that were pretty funny in this movie. If you've seen it recently, they have a lot of one-liners that kind of keep the pace in the tournament. And that that pacing is very similar to uh, 2004 Dodgeball. That one that one has a very similar pace where, you know, they're 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 playing very stereotypical Dodgeball teams and different different funny squads, and then in between everything, just to kind of keep a nice pacing, the announcers would say something dumb just to make you laugh and go into the next transition. So I think that these movies are alike in that way for sure. Uh, Pretty good cast as well. Uh, Starting with the directors, though, Bobby and Peter Farley. I think it's Farley. Farrelly. They work together a lot, obviously, brothers. And I'd say Peter's probably... I would say a little bit better than Bob. Bobby, it seems like Bobby does most of the things with Peter, but Peter, along with doing Dumb and Dumber, Dumb and Dumber 2, Hall Pass, Three Stooges, all that stuff with his fever pitch, all that stuff with his brother. He's also done Osmosis Jones and Me, Myself, and Irene. Um, he's done he's done quite a few movies. Uh, we've, we've actually talked about Me, Myself, and Irene on Patreon, so if you guys enjoy that movie as much as Tanner and I did, check that out. But they were both good. I think they're kind of, I don't know. I don't want to say one trick ponies because, you know, I don't think that's fair. A lot of their movies are kind of dumb and the people who didn't watch them in the moment think they're bad. Like those of us who liked Fever Pitch have to constantly argue that the movie's good despite the fact that it's really not that good. And you could say the same thing about Three Stooges and Dumb and Dumber and really any of them, to be honest. Um, I'd say the only movie that Peter uh, has done that's different. He did Green Book in 2018, which is, a, which is a great movie. Definitely different than what he's known for. So that's an interesting move. Uh, you can't go any further without talking about Woody Harrelson. I mean, come on, he's the main person in this. He's, he's great, but maybe the second best person in the movie behind Bill Murray, which we'll get to in a minute. Uh, Woody's, Woody's fantastic. At this point, he's a household name. I mean, like we said last week, he did Cheers all the way up until 93. Then he did Natural Born Killers, like the weirdest movie of all time, which we talked about last week on this feed. Came out in 94. He got Money Train, which we talked about with Wesley Snipes a few months ago. He did this movie and The People vs. Larry Flint in the same year. So, I mean, Woody's really keeping busy. And this is really, I'd say, at his first peak of his career, uh, which we'll talk about a little bit later. I think he's 
he's done so much and had such a long career, it's hard to say what his movies are, really. What his best movies are, really. Uh, but moving into Randy Quaid, I mean, Eddie, uh, Cousin Eddie's back. Last time we talked about him was Christmas Vacation, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. And he's he's funny in that. Honestly, probably the best part of that movie really provides a lot of levity. And he's great in this, too. Uh, he's funny. It's sometimes in moments in this movie, I feel like he's kind of Aldi's brand Jeff Daniels from Dumb and Dumber, uh, which is probably pretty rude because it's not really his fault in some cases, but like everything from his blonde mop hair styled haircut to really some of his jokes, some of his cruder jokes to counteract uh, Woody uh, felt in a lot of ways the same as Jeff Daniels' performance. So I don't know. I think he was good for the role, but the way he, the way he was written just made him feel like we needed somebody to fill the Jeff Daniels role, which kind of sucks. Um, like I said before, Bill Murray is the goat of this movie. He is super funny. He's got the dark humor, but at the same time, he's quick-witted, and everybody can laugh at it. Like, the way that he says everything and his cadence, uh, you know, a child will laugh at, his, laugh at his comments not knowing what they mean. He's the best. Coming off the back of some of his great movies, I mean, you've got Caddyshack, Stripes, Tootsie, all that stuff in the 80s that he's best known for, I think, still. And then this is kind of, you know, the end of an era for him in some ways, because this movie's maybe the last movie before he goes into the Wes Anderson uh, second wind of his career, <laughs> which, you know, this movie came out in 96, and, that, and then Rushmore came out in 98. So uh, it's, it's kind of funny to see him right before he gets the pleasure of doing all these Wes Anderson movies. So, uh, To wrap up, Vanessa Angel, uh, who's Claudia in this, uh, she was a successful career as a model. Uh, this is something that, you know, kind of bothered me a little bit with this movie. I think that she was really good for what they asked her to do. But unfortunately, a lot of the jokes were at her expense, and they weren't set up very well, and I thought they were just kind of lame. Like, I mean, they basically just used the cheap joke of calling her, calling her a whore over and over again in this movie, which isn't funny and isn't good in any real capacity. It wasn't even good then. I think it's just kind of a cheap 90s, really leftover joke from the 80s that's just not funny. Like, the movie literally ends, the last sentence is... Goodbye, Roy. Goodbye, whore. And you're supposed to laugh. And that's just not funny. Like, I don't know. I think the 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 thing that people will look back on and be disappointed in is going to be those jokes because they're just they're just not good and not warranted. You know, even Woody Harrelson and her kind of get into a physical altercation in a parking lot. And they did what they could with that, where like meaning that like Woody really didn't I mean, I think he did actually hit her once, but then mainly it was just kind of like tossing her around, which was like them trying to like toe the line of what's acceptable. When in reality, the scene didn't need to happen and he didn't need to hit her in any capacity. So I don't know. This movie has some remnants of some weird old quote unquote humor that's just bad by all accounts today. And to be honest, pretty lazy then as well. So I don't know. It's kind of because even Dumb and Dumber, they had some jokes like that where they're handled with more grace. This movie's just so blunt about it that it really threw me off watching the movie. It's just not it's just not good, you know? Uh, the other thing I guess I should just say now that we're talking about things that bother me, the other scene I didn't like was towards the beginning where he sleeps with his landlord, so she will basically defer uh, his payment into the future months. And, I mean, that was really cringy and way too long, and 
they were trying to get jokes off something that isn't funny, like making her teeth gross and that kind of thing. It's just, it just wasn't good humor in my opinion. Like it was too long. Like, like one of my examples talking to, talking to Justin actually a couple of days ago, who was a co-host last week. Um, you know, we were just talking about this movie and I was telling him, I don't understand. I don't understand why they have to linger on it so much. Uh, like Happy Gilmore, for instance, they they insinuate that he has sex with the uh, the woman who's listening to him sing over the over the uh, the uh, speaker at the apartment because um, she's making him breakfast like at like next scene and it's supposed to be funny. Like, oh my god, he had se- he had sex with her. Isn't that dumb? And then they move on. They don't they don't show you anything. They just insinuate that something happened, and then you keep it moving. They do that in a lot of a lot of comedies around this time in these movies. And for the, for some reason, they just felt the need for several minutes to drag on this this joke with her, and it's just it wasn't funny and weird. It was just so cringy. So that that and all the uh, and all of the jokes against Claudia were the stuff that really just kind of doused the movie off for me in a way that I really can't let go when I rate it later. But really good cast regardless, and she had a successful modeling career, and this was the biggest movie of her career as well, so, uh, you know, good for her. Just in general, did I enjoy this movie? Uh, you know, I did. Like I said before, greater than the sum of its parts. It's not it's not a great movie, but it's a good movie, and I, I'm glad that it exists despite the fact it's not something I'm going to go back to. As far as, like, issues that this movie had to kind of overcome... The movie did come out in poor timing. It did not do well in the box office, uh, and that is because, quote-unquote, because of the Olympics. 1996 Olympics happened at the same time, and the directors, I think Peter specifically, was very down on that and was disappointed and believes the movie would have done better had the Olympics not been lined up with it. Uh, You know, maybe it's because the movie's not as good as what he thought it was going to be. I think I'd make that argument, but regardless, regardless, it did end up being a big hit, though, whenever it came out on VHS. So, you know, it was a delayed profit maker, but it did come around and it actually did make good money. I think this movie's box or this movie's budget was kind of estimated around $27 million, and its opening weekend was only five and a half, which, you know, is not what you're looking for. But it did end up grossing over twenty five. So, you know, it did OK. If the, if the budgeted if the estimated budget of twenty seven million is correct. It is red ink on the uh, you know the producer's line, but you know it's close. It's not a complete disaster. It just about made its money back, so not too bad. All right, let's go straight into reviews here. <clears throat> like I said before, uh, Metascore is four point three in this. Uh, the critics did not like this movie at all. Uh, the New York Times gave it a thirty and said the team that gave the world Dumb and Dumber returns with something feeble and feebler. <laughs> which made me laugh i mean it is kind of true but that is a pretty that is a pretty scathing review roger ebert never ceases to amaze me gave it an 88 out of out of 100 uh, for the chicago sun times at the time said uh, some of the gags don't work and yet i laughed at the farley's audacity to try them and the humor isn't just gags and punchline but one accomplished comedic performance after another uh, he really enjoyed it. I couldn't tell you why. This does not seem like a him movie at all. But, you know, I, that's why we read him. Because he's super famous and because he's well known for it, yes. But also because he is, you really can't ever guess what he's going to say. So this one maybe has been most shocking since I've started this podcast. 88 is, I was expecting him to give this a clunker. But whatever. Roger liked it. 
favorite scenes i feel like in reality it's all the it's all the lead-up stuff it's all the stuff that that influenced dodgeball later on almost almost a decade later the tournament getting hyped up seeing woody actually perform and making the movie about really just him for those 15 20 minutes that was great that's what we're all here for watching bill murray be bill murray and his hair and his outfit and his rose uh bowling ball i mean just great stuff. I mean, that is exactly what you sign up for when you're looking for this movie. I wish the movie was more that than it was what it was, but I think it was very good and very and very polished that last 20 minutes, and that's easily the best portion of the movie for sure. Casting stuff, uh, if IMDb is to be believed, uh, there was some kind of casting what-ifs that are interesting. Uh, Michael Keaton was considered for the role instead of Woody Harrelson, that's, to me, kind of fascinating. I think Woody Harrelson's better than what Michael Keaton would have done because I don't think Michael Keaton is as funny. Like, the movie's trying to be funny, and I think Michael Keaton would have made the movie more serious, um, it would have, which would have tripped it into a darker territory that I think would have not benefited the movie. It was already dark in points with Woody, especially at the beginning, trying to show how down in the dumps he is. But I think it would have been even more so with Keaton. Chris Farley instead of Randy Quaid, that's an interesting conversation. I think it might actually be better. I think in some points of this movie, it needed a level of silliness that it could not organically reach. And I can't think of anything sillier than Chris Farley being Amish because he's so, his, everything from the way he looks to the way he talks suggests a life that has nothing to do with being Amish. And I think they could have made that really funny to insinuate that he was, I think, could have really benefited the show and and tipped the scales of the stupidity of it to make it more funny because that's what Dumb and Dumber had that this show desperately needed was Jim Carrey is like over the top. Uh, you know, Jeff Daniels is the neutral. You know, he's there to kind of rein the show in a little bit because Jim Carrey is such a wild card. There was no wild card in this movie except for Bill Murray, which we did not get enough of. So. Um, I think that's an interesting take. I think Chris Farley would have made this a better movie. No offense at all to Randy Quaid. Uh, last but not least, and maybe the most interesting of the three, like I said a minute ago, Jim Carrey instead of Bill Murray. I would much rather have Bill Murray in the role that he was in. I like the kind of dark humor, like I don't care what anybody, what happens to anybody else. I'm just out for myself. And, and also at the same time being like the media darling. That I loved all that, that everybody thought he was great except for us, the audience, and Woody. So I, I, really, I really enjoyed that. I think that Bill Murray's better at that than being the lovable asshole than maybe Jim Carrey is. And I think his Jim Carrey being so over the top would really take away from how we're supposed to feel about Woody Harrelson. So I think I think I'd actually leave Jim Carrey out of this and keep Bill Murray. And just if I if I was the director, just more Bill Murray. So to kind of wrap up this this uh, this episode, I know it's going to be a bit of a quick one, um, but I want to just do some uh, some quick trivia dump. Just in the case, and this is all IMDb, obviously. So take it for what you will. As is the case for most of his films, Bill Murray ad-libbed virtually every single line that he spoke, including the commercial, which was a great scene. He would read over the script, get a general idea of what he was supposed to do, and then just throw it out the window. The Farley brothers on the DVD commentary, again per IMDb, said that they were always glad that he did that, and it always was funnier than they thought it was going to be. So, I mean, that's what you sign him up for, and I think that's the same thing that Jim would have done. So, 
According to Chris Farley's agent, Doug Robinson, Chris was offered the part as Ishmael. Like I said it before, it would have been Randy Quaid's character. But he was contractually obligated to appear in Black Sheep, which came out at the same time, which kind of derailed him from being in this movie, which sucks. I really do think that this movie would have been more interesting with someone as comedically ridiculous as Chris Farley. Lastly, in a scene in the bowling alley restaurant just before Ishmael is about to be beaten up, the three are eating cheeseburgers and fries. Um, yeah, as you, as you could even, I remember that distinctly because of where the camera lens is. It's kind of lower to where you're almost looking up at them a little bit from the food's perspective. Um, I noticed that at the time watching it, and it's interesting with this fact that uh, Roy was actually, Roy, who's Woody, was actually eating a salad because Woody Harrelson's a vegan. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Uh, maybe that maybe that's why the camera angle was what it was in retrospect. So thought I'd add that in here. All right, guys. I'm going to review this just as the same as I always do. But just to be kind of dumb, I'm going to go ahead and review Tanner's half as well and just guess on what he would have liked. Uh, next week, I'll talk to him and see kind of you know how close I was on his numbers because I'm sure I'll be wrong somewhere but I'm just going to guess in order to give this movie more of a proper rating cuz I'm pretty cold on it so I don't want to I don't want to put this one too far in the dumps um opinion on this movie I'm giving it a 5.4 I think that's kind of fair for what it is you know it's it's interesting it's good it has a good cast but you know I don't know it's it's fine it's fine and I'm giving it a a quote-unquote fine score of 5.4. I think Tanner would have argued with me about that and said that it was way too low, and he would have given it a 6.3. So I'll see how far I am away from that next week. I'm giving acting ability to Woody Harrelson a 5.9. I think this movie is very interesting uh, for his career. It's the first movie I've seen, I believe, where he's truly trying to be funny. Um, it's a good career move. I think he does a good job and holds his weight. So I'm going to give him a 5.9, which sounds low, I know, but I've seen him do some really amazing stuff, which I'll talk about at the end here. So I'm going to go a little lower. Uh, I'm assuming Tanner's going to go higher than me again there, and I'm going to give his slot a 6.4. I believe that Tanner would have really enjoyed this movie for some of its dumber parts and would have appreciated his role in that. So I'm going to give it a 6.4. Rewatchability, I'm giving it an even 5. I don't think I'll be recommending it to anybody. I don't think that I'm going to be turning it on to watch it again, to, uh, you know, front to back. That being said, if it were on, I'd definitely finish a scene. There's definitely moments in this movie that will make me laugh again and probably forever. But there's a lot of fat on this movie from my perspective. And, you know, I think it's very average, which is a five in my book. I think he would argue with me again, and I'm going to give it a 6.6 .6 on his behalf. I think he would say, you know, he's probably not going to put it on for himself, but he does think it's a good movie, and depending on the person he's talking to, he would, he would actually suggest this movie. So, again, I'm giving it a 5, and he's giving it a 6.6. .6. That comes out to a 5.9 for the movie. All right, Kingpin stands alone as the only 5.9 that we have <clears throat> in our system. The movies below that, 5.8, The Internship, The Mask, and Money Train. So I don't know if I'm totally with that. I think I'd say that Money Train and The Mask are both better. I think The Mask isn't a whole lot better. I, I know I was a big defender of that movie when we reviewed it, but 
Um, I think it is better than Kingpin, and I think Money Train deserves a little bit better than that too. So that's where he's at. It's also .2 behind The Untouchables, Gettysburg, and Cheaper by the Dozen, which are all at 6.1. So it's in a pretty interesting place. Okay, to wrap up, I just want to talk about Woody Harrelson briefly. Um, You know, he's had a very long career where he's done a lot of great, great stuff. During this time in the 90s, like I told you before, all the way up to this movie, you know, he's running into all kinds of good stuff going into the early 2000s as well. Personally, for me, I don't think I've seen very much of his stuff except for anger management all the way up until 2007 when I get back to No Country for Old Men, which he's a minor but very good part in that movie. And then we're just going further and further into the stuff that I grew up with. Uh, He was in Zombieland, obviously. He's in Seven Pounds. He was the blind one that got Will Smith's eyes, I believe, in that. He's in 2012, which is a silly movie. And then he moves into the stuff that, you know, uh, I think the younger generation would probably know him better for. He's Haymitch in The Hunger Games. He was in Now You See Me. He's in a lot of interesting stuff in the mid teens he's lbj in lbj and i cannot go go past without saying his probably two best performances he is absolutely amazing as detective marty hart in the first season of true detective he is phenomenal in that show guys honestly if you haven't seen the show yet it's his best acting and it's also right next to matthew mcconaughey's best acting they are truly phenomenal in that show i cannot talk highly enough of it it completely changed my attitude towards Matthew McConaughey, and it also is, you know, just reinforced my idea of how great Woody Harrelson is. Um, and those those of you that are like, how are you going to pick a TV show as best acting? I hear you, and that's why we're going to go with Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. He's phenomenal in that as well. He is one of the main characters in it, obviously, for those who have seen it, and he is obviously fantastic in that as well. So, if there's any movie that I've left off that you that you don't think should have been, if there's something that we need to watch and do him again soon, just send us a message or, or make it known on Twitter or Instagram. Um, I'm running that stuff every single day trying to get you some content. So, uh, yeah, you can send that directly to both of us. You could also send it to our email, apexmountainpod at gmail.com. We love getting those. We get a few every week now, and that's really fantastic. You can leave us a voicemail, as Tanner has said over and over again, which I don't remember the number of, of course, but is in the description for this episode. Uh, Please just continue to follow us. Uh, We really appreciate all your guys' support over the last year. Uh, Yeah, just make sure to uh, subscribe and wherever you listen to your podcasts. I really appreciate it, and I know Tanner does too. Uh, Next week, we're going to be discussing Bradley Cooper, a guy that we've been pushing off for a while because, you know, frankly, me and him both enjoy him a lot, and we didn't want to burn him too early. But I think now's the time. He's a fantastic actor, and I can't wait to break into it. Next week, we are going to do Silver Linings Playbook, so check that movie out. And then we're going to follow that up with uh, him and Lady Gaga in A Star is Born two weeks from now. So Silver Linings Playbook, Star is Born. See you guys next week. Bye.